Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, good morning, all. So a husband was trying to prove to his wife that women talk more than men. And he showed her a study which indicated that men use about 10,000 words a day and that women used about 20,000 words a day, twice as much. So um, his wife thought for a while and then she told her husband that women use twice as many words because they have to repeat everything. (laughs) To which he replied with, what'd you say? Oh, goodness. I'm glad you're here today. I brought uh, my better three quarters along today. This is uh, Pastor Robin, and um, she's going to be sharing with me today. Today, we're going to talk about how sticks and stones can break your bones. But words, oh, sorry. Now, we got those for illustrations. But what we want to start with today is we want to start with a message about um, communication today. Before I do that, realize as I was communicating, uh, last week and talking to some people after last week's message that uh, there were a lot of, a lot of bruised, I bumped up against a lot of bruises last week. Uh, you know where bruises, right? It's a place where you've been hit and wounded and damaged and it's sensitive. And I realized that during the message last week, I bumped up against a lot of bruises in people's lives. And um, I wanted to start today by communicating with you clearly the reason we share about such things and we talk about things like what real love is, real sex is, real marriage is, real divorce is, the reason we talk about those things is not so we can condemn you and tell you what you're not, but we can remind you of what you are. I have a scripture that I want to read for you that tells you what you are. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, and that's what some of you were. All of those bruised things in your life, that's what you were. But you were, listen to the words, washed, sanctified, and justified. No matter what situation you're going through that brings a bruise to your life, God wants you to know that his purpose and his intention is not to condemn, but to wash, sanctify, and justify in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So... um, Yeah, I had several people talk to me about ramifications about our conversation last week around what real sexual identity is, real marriage, divorce situations. And I want to tell you that God loves you and he wants to wash you and justify you and sanctify you. Remember, that's what you were. Let's move into what you are. So I wanted to pray a prayer over before we did that, all right? Jesus, I pray over every person that hears the words of truth and hears them against a bruise and they pull back because it hurts. God, I pray that the word of God would not just be something that touches the bruise, but I pray what would happen is it would be a cleansing and a healing, washing salve that touches each part where we are broken and brings us to wholeness. And God, that's what I desire for what we speak and that's what you desire for what is spoken. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 
So I wanted to make sure that communication was clear because it's going to be our first point today that I need to clearly communicate with you. And I want to clearly communicate that the job of this pulpit, the job of the scriptures, the job of our relationship is never to condemn, but to elevate. So with that being said, so we're talking about communication today, well. and uh, this isn't just for marriages. This is, these are going to be tips, and we're going to go fast through these, but um, these are going to be tips that help you in all communication with all people. So before we start, we want to show you a little video to get us kicked off today. We need to talk. You've done something wrong. Okay. I'm toast. Now, I'm not upset. I'm upset. I'm just kind of surprised. I'm a ticking time bomb of volcanic fury. Because you forgot about yesterday? Because you are a moron of epic proportions. Yesterday, yesterday. I'm toast. Yesterday was the 15th anniversary of our first official date. Oh, that's right, I remember. I have no memory of that. Do I need to get some flowers or something? No. Yes. Are you sure? Yes. No. Are you mad? No. Yes. You'll remember next year. I will. I won't. <laughs> so how do you like the casserole? It's, uh, it, it's a new flavor. Tastes like the devil ate a skunk sandwich and vomited in my mouth. <laughs> That's my mom's favorite recipe. I grew up on that. Might as well slap my mother in the face. Well, you know I would never do that. You know I think your mother's wonderful. Actually, I think your mother's a... So, want to have sex? How was your day? Want to have sex? Exhausting. Don't even think about it, you sex maniac. Exhausting, huh? Want to have sex? Exhausting. I'd rather rub broken glass in my eyes. Do you want to cuddle? Want to cuddle for two seconds, then have sex? My head hurts. You lay one finger on me, and I'll beat you with this lamp, you filthy McNasty. Night. How about now? You want to have sex now? So do you ever feel that way? Somebody needs to translate for you? So if you wouldn't mind, let's stand and we're going to read the scripture today. It's found in Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So Jesus, please help us to communicate what needs to be communicated. And uh, Lord, I'm going to ask that you would help us all in this art of communication to become better. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Before you see it, why don't you turn to somebody and at least give them a big smile, communicate with them. They you like them. Hey, it's good to see you if you're joining us online. I'm glad you're here today. Well, good to see you, sir. All right, so we're going to blitz through seven, seven keys to good communication, all right? These are seven keys that we were talking about and working through about how to communicate and to have healthier relationships. These communication tips are good for marriage, but they're good for every relationship in your life. So the first one is clarity is king. Clarity is king. So we need to recognize that we have some responsibility for what is heard no matter what we said. You have some 
responsibility for what is heard regardless of what is said. So, um, so through the years, we've had many deacons, many staff members. This has happened to us as well, but it never fails. We'll have an event and, and uh, we'll say, hey, you know what? Your wives are invited to this event. Your husbands are invited to this event. And um, it never fails. Day of, two days before, I'll say, I'll start getting texts. Wait, were we supposed to come to this? What, what are we supposed to bring? Because you know what? Communication is both listening and acting. So we kind of develop this thing where we say, okay, everybody take out their phones, tell your wives, staff, this is a, you know, they're invited to this. And uh, it's just when you realize that there's, there's a breakdown, it's always good to have an action that follows. Yeah. So you do it now. Don't wait till later and then make sure there's a confirm that they got it. Um, communication is like that. Um, so one day I preached a sermon. Uh, ironically, I preached the sermon on um, women in ministry, and I laid from the scriptures very clear teaching out how women were pastors in the New Testament church, and showed you know how the texts of Paul didn't uh, uh, they were how they didn't contradict Paul's behavior, which was that, uh, that you know, he appointed women everywhere he went, left women in powers of ministry like Aquila and others. Uh, um, and anyway, at the back door, so I preached this message. At the back door, some guy met me, and he said to me, Pastor, I'm so glad you feel like I do. The women should never preach in church. <laughs> I was like, Dude, were you in the same space as me for the last 30 minutes? Because sometimes what happens is people have such a filter that anytime you bring up a subject, all they hear is what they want to hear. I know you've never done this in marriage. My dad is known for saying, well, it's how you heard it, not what I said. <laughs> yeah, anyway, those filters are there. So we have a tip. We have a tip, right? Yeah. So... Um, one of the things that we say is when you're really trying to communicate something, you ask the person you're trying to communicate, hey, um, let me know what you just heard. It's easy. It's so easy to just say, hey, let me know what you just heard me to say. Because don't repeat it back to me. No, not in that attitude, okay? That's bad. That is bad communication, okay? So it would be something like, hey, do you mind letting me know what you just heard me to say? That is so simple just to ask the question, and it doesn't bring up all the defenses in a person because you're actually making sure that they understood what you were saying. Yeah, we have, uh, this has been a great benefit for me personally in our marriage because um, I have a tendency to communicate really quick, really blast, and she continues to communicate long after the conversation is over. I'm part of the 20,000 club. <laughs> 20. <laughs> anyway, so uh, asking what we each other heard has helped us to actually identify uh, problems. And you had a situation recently that you communicated. I did. You know, I am a big Siri user, okay, because I don't text as fast with my thumbs and I'm usually going on a walk somewhere. I'm doing, you know, multitasking, right, ladies? You know what I'm saying? So I hit Siri, and I sent a text to a lady recently that um, she had been sick, so I just was checking up on her. So here's a text conversation. How you doing about the same? This is my response. Jesus, please kill Tammy completely. <laughs> bring, bring her strength back in Jesus' name, amen. And then I told her, Siri goofed up, and she says, oh Lord, please don't kill me, okay? <laughs> 
thankful, I'm thankful she had a good sense of humor, but I did just pray for Jesus to kill her. Um, so, but this is how communication is. This is sometimes you can intend one thing, but it comes out completely different. That's why you never, ever, 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 ever text fight. Never. Never. If you have something to say of any caliber besides, hey, I'll meet you at Starbucks at five, okay, whatever. If you have something of importance to say, call them, better yet, face-to-face, -face, but never text fight because it leaves a lot for communication. It leaves a lot for the listener. You can't tell facial expressions. You can't tell tone of voice. You can't tell anything. So don't text fight. They say up to 80% of your communications. I've read some studies say 90% is nonverbal, and you can't pick that up over a text. So clarity is king. Clarity is king. And if you're having a trouble communicating, remember our tip is to ask the other person, what did you hear me say? What, what did you hear? I want to know what you heard so I can, we can then dialogue about what you heard and we can clarify that. So number two is be honest. I think this should go unsaid, but un, be honest is actually a necessity of our tip number two. Um, in Ephesians 4.25, it says, therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. So honesty is a necessity. Honesty is a necessity for a healthy relationship. And you know if you're not being truthful, unless you're a pathological liar, and that's a whole different sermon, okay? So you know if you're not telling the truth. And sometimes in the heat of the moment, or in an argument, you know, mm, what comes out, even, even you would admit that that's not actually accurate. So just be honest. A lot more can be fixed, and uh, relationships are a lot healthier if you're just honest. So trust is built through transparency. Where did you go today? Well, I went here and here and here, but you left out the one place that brings tension. I did drop by McDonald's and spent $10 or what, I, you know, whatever it may be. So what I would like to say is that honesty is required for a healthy relationship. And um, when, you're, when your communication and your actions line up, trust can be built. But honesty, honesty if you don't practice it, well, mm, there's always going to be this like wall between you and whoever you're communicating with. And if you think that you're, lie, that you're getting away with your lies, you are not. There was a, um, when I was growing up, there was a young family that I was one of her best friends, and the brother uh, thought that when he played hide and seek, he was young, he could get in the middle of the room and do this with his eyes, and he was hiding. He was hiding in the middle of the room. Of course, everybody knew where he was hiding, right? That's how it is when you're lying, eventually the truth will come out. You may think you're covering it up, but the truth is everybody's gonna see it eventually. So just remember that, just be honest. You can deal with a lot when you're dealing with honesty, but if there's that skepticism in you of, that somebody's lying to you, it's really hard to deal with. Yeah, I could say a lot more about lying. Like when you lie, you speak your, uh, the language of Satan. That's John 8, 44. There's a whole lot of things, but we'll skip that. Let's go on ahead to share your thoughts fully. One of the big, um, one of the big things that keep you from communicating is that you only partially share what you're thinking. Anybody ever had that experience that you share a half an expectation and then the other person gets mad at you with your kids or whatever it is, you know, um, work, 
uh, spouse. So share your thoughts fully. One of the things that we've noticed in all of our years of dealing with people is that one person in a communication has a tendency to talk more than the other. Anyone married to a talker? Okay. Uh, all right. So that being said, that one of the things we found, and especially with kids, this is pretty good. All right. This is called a talking stick. And what you do with a talking stick is you grant this person, it's now. And then what happens is I don't keep going on and on and going back. Then when it's his turn, now this, this sounds <laughs> not ready yet. No. <laughs> This sounds very elementary, but I'm going to tell you, have you ever been in a conversation or in a family that everybody is over-talking each other? It's so difficult to get a word in edgewise. I happen to have three kids, sorry, not done yet. I happen to have, I happen to have three children that are all talkers. I'm a talker, believe it or not, so is he. Um, so I know, shocker, right? But I will tell you that in our car, family of five, ah, blah, 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 anywhere we would go, people would say, you need to listen to this podcast. I'm so off the notes. You need to listen to this tape. Or, and I would say, I, don't, I can't hear anything in my car. Any moms out there, you know what I'm talking about right now? So this talking stick really does, if it sets the boundary of who, who's supposed to talk and who isn't. <laughs> We're going to lay that down now. So um, silence, avoidance, and passive-aggressive are all obstacles to healthy communication. So if you're not communicating fully, your silence, your avoidance of the subject, or your passive-aggressive anger and your little meh, meh, back at them are all obstacles to healthy communication. So what sharing fully allows you to do is it allows you to speak out some of those I'm too nice to say this thought. So if you're afraid to speak honestly or to share something within relationships, I'm gonna say that that's a warning sign. If you say, well, I'd like to say something, I mean, simple illustration, go to the store, you pick up a shirt, but you don't really want your spouse to see you bringing it in, uh, warning sign. Okay, it usually means that either they're doing something wrong that you don't wanna confront, because you don't want to deal with it, thus avoidance, or you're doing something wrong that you don't want to spill the beans about, thus hiding. So either one of those, if you're ever like, ooh, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't, like, I'm afraid to say this. Now there's a difference between, a, this is my, this is wise wisdom from my 86-year-old mom, okay? She says, there's a time to talk and a time to shut up. Okay, that's not what we're talking about she here. She said that to us She did yesterday. yesterday. And when we were talking about what we were going to talk about today. And um, I will tell you that if you're afraid to share something, there's a problem. There's a warning sign. All right. So this has been a practice I've developed. Early on in our marriage, um, there were some tensions with her that I never was able to figure out. So over the years, you know, you've heard me talk about we take walks and I listen to her talk and I will listen, listen, listen. I've developed a technique in there. And, and the technique is this. It's something I pass on in marriage counseling. It's this. Tell me, tell me what's behind that feeling. You just said that. What, what's driving that feeling or what's driving that statement? What's going on behind the scenes there? And when I can hear, because sometimes I'd get mad at her because she would want to do something or she'd get off about something, and I, I'd get mad at her. 
But I've learned something. I can trust her. Even when I don't understand what she's saying, I can still trust her. So what I need to figure out is what's driving it so we can talk about the what that's behind her why. Are you all following this? So share thoughts fully. If you're with somebody that they like to talk around things and never actually talk about the core, one of the questions to ask is, what, what's, what's driving this fear? Or what's making you feel that way? And one other thing, uh, we learned years ago to ask this question when we were in business conversations, is before a meeting was over, and some of you had me do this to you numerous times, is in this conversation before the meeting's over, you say, now what's the extra 10% you should have told me but nice people don't say? And I will tell you in that extra 10%, you can find most of the time the resolution to the problem that you were dealing with. Mm -hmm. So the next tip would be control your emotions. And emotions are unreliable as a compass to resolve issues. You know that, right? Like emotion just fuels not good communication. So, and we are emotional beings. So, so you want me to tell it? Sure. So what happened early on, we were doing some marriage counseling and uh, she and I are sitting there and we came home and we took a walk after our marriage counseling with this couple that had these problems. And on the walk, I started yelling at her about the same problem that the husband was having with his wife. And then she started yelling at me about the same problem that the wife was having with her husband. Because we were so emotionally involved in their problem, we started projecting it onto us. And finally, I remember her looking over at me and said, I don't have this problem with you. Why am I yelling at you about this? <laughs> because what happens, y'all ready for this? This is why emotions are not a healthy barometer in your communication because your emotions can reflect 50 other things that happened in your lifetime during that time period and you're not communicating about the problem, you're communicating about the other emotions. And you can have feelings and just because you have feelings, it doesn't mean that those are necessarily valid regarding the communication you need to have at this moment. Well, and the and that was an example of us at work, but I'm gonna guarantee you, you guys at work have the same thing. If you got a girls club there that's all bashing their husbands, it's real easy to take that right home and go, my husband does that same thing. He's as big as louse as their husband, or vice versa, guys. My wife, she, she burns everything, whatever it is, okay? So be very careful the, the voices that you listen to on a day-to-day -day basis because it will affect your attitude and will affect your emotions towards your spouse. 100%, you will come home dissatisfied and the poor person has done nothing yet. Right. Wrong. So uh, let's talk about the number one emotion guys feel. You ready? Anger. I want to deal with the number one emotion men feel. Uh, number one emotion that I've witnessed over the years in communication is anger. And uh, anger is not the issue. It's how you deal with anger that's the issue. Um, anger, by the way, the, when you, anybody ever get angry? Anybody get angry? All right, so the rest of you are lying. <laughs> Go back to point two. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so here's the deal. We all get angry. Why do we get angry? Is because we're created in the image of God. You know what I know about God? God got angry. Numbers 22, 22 said, but God was not just angry, he was what? 
very angry. So anger is what propels us to take action against things we would allow to continue if we didn't get angry. So anger is a propelling motivator in your life. Anger, um, if you will, it causes you to take action against wrongs that are committed and against injustices that you don't want to watch happen. So wrongs that are committed against you are injustices you see out there. Your anger is what propels you to do something about it. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 in the NET says, um, be angry. That's an imperative verb. I use the NET because the Greek is imperative. Be angry. There are some things you just need to get mad about, right? No? If you're in debt and you can't pay the bills, you need to get mad about that and do something about it. That's why we offer financial peace, right? If you, you know, if your spouse is cheating on you, you need to get mad about that, right? If your kids are disobedient, you need to, you need to be propelled by, because anger is like jet fuel to your soul. It propels you to actually do something rather than sit and complain about it. Uh, so be angry, but in your anger, what do you not do? You don't sin. You don't use your anger as an opportunity to bully, manipulate, control. You don't do that. Instead, we don't let the sun go down on our anger, but we deal with the problems. Use your anger to motivate you to deal with the things that you should be dealing with. So Jesus is our example, right? And we always say, well, Jesus was angry. And we have this image of him from like TV shows that he like runs into the temple and he sees all the people and he, you know, starts hitting everybody with the whip and that kind of thing, right? That's your image of Jesus. Let's look at this. That he was out of control. He was out of control. You almost think of him as like in a fit of rage, going through there and turning over, you know, like in this fit of rage. But let's look at what it says. John 2, 14 through 15. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords. He did what? He made a whip and drove all of them from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins and the money changers and overturned the tables. Now, here's the thing. A fit of rage happens like this. This was a planned... He knew what he was going to do. He made the whip, guys. So I'm, and, and you know, you have to find the material for the whip. You got to put the whip together because he's not running around like, a, you know, doing one of these. He literally put this whip together. Do you not think that he had a moment of thought in his head? This was, this was a controlled anger. So in your anger, fits of rage are not appropriate. Fits of rage are not going to do anybody any good controlled anger that you've thought through will do a world of good to you and your family and those around you. So you got two real options when you're, when you're angry about something. Uh, first one is suppress it, which is never really a good idea to suppress your anger because when you suppress anger, it leads to passive aggressive anger. Y'all know what passive aggressive anger is, right? Well, I just won't be cooking anymore because nobody will clean the dishes. You ever hear anything? No, I've never heard that. Not in my house. Passive aggressive and sarcasm. People are people who are sarcastic. They're so proud of it. <laughs> oh, yeah. See, sarcasm see? is my native language. See? There so, you go. People who are sarcastic are very proud of it. And I'm going to tell you, when you deal with someone who's sarcastic, it is incredibly difficult to communicate because you don't have anything to say back. Okay, so I'm going to say there is no place for sarcasm or passive aggressive in a healthy relationship. I sometimes
sometimes, but I'm talking about especially when in some type of a disagreement or in true communication. So somebody really wants to talk to you, and they say, we need, we need to sit down and talk about this. And you give me sarcastic answers, I just want to slap you, you know? Uh, think about it. it. It's very difficult to communicate back with that. So no passive aggressive or sarcasm when you're actually trying to fix something. So you know what we started saying about those sarcastic jokes, right? In every joke, there's a little bit of truth. And what you do is, by calling that out, she, we started making that statement years and years ago about, you know, no joke would be funny if there wasn't some kind of truth to it. And every sarcastic statement is a statement of truth somewhere buried in there. So why not just go ahead and express it rather than suppress your anger and let it come out in barbs? And uh, another way is suppressed anger is passive-aggressive sarcasm, but also leads to depression. Do you all know what depression is? Depression is anger turned inward. I'm angry about a situation, but I'm too cowardly to deal with it. And yes, I use the word cowardly because I deal with depression all the time. And I can tell you that depression is this. I'm mad about something and I don't deal with it appropriately. So I turn the anger back on myself and that leads to depression. And then the last thing that'll happen is uh, depression always leads our anger that is suppressed eventually like a volcano. The heat builds, heat builds, heat builds. Eventually what happens with every volcano? It explodes and everything around dies. So when you express anger in an unhealthy way, it makes bigger problems. Um, or it makes the problems where there wasn't one before. You could be angry about something. If you'd simply talk it out, you'd find out that she didn't mean what she said and I interpreted it wrong. Therefore, I don't have to be angry about that and it diffuses the situation, my anger goes away. But if I suppress it and I go down and you know I, I like flip off the washer because I'm mad at her for something she didn't mean, nobody's ever done anything like that. Anyway, may, you guys don't live in that world, do you? Where you like, scream at a mirror because you didn't have a, or, or you think about the mirror conversation. You know the mirror conversation where you prove you're right like 800 times while you're fixing your hair? Y'all obviously never do that. No, no. Anyway, um, so it causes you, suppressed anger also causes you to make stupid decisions that are fueled by unhealthy anger. So what do you need to do? Instead of suppress it, what do you need to do is discuss it. So what you perceive to be the wrong what do you perceive to be the wrong that's making you angry? And what you do is you talk about that perceived wrong. You can ask them two questions. Number one, are my preconceptions correct? And, and if they are, then you need to talk about it. If they aren't, then you need to adjust them. Right. I can be mistaken. I can be... I can, I can be mistaken. There you go. <laughs> All right, and then what do you do about it? Some things are beyond your control, and if they are beyond your control, you seek outside help. If you don't suppress it, though, if we have an issue that it's bigger than us, we look for help outside of us. So, 1992, we're going to go back in the time warp machine. We're going back in time. She's going to admit she was... One time. It was one time. So, back in 1992, uh, when we first started the church, um, you know, they're really, they were just coming out with computers, guys. And maybe we were behind the times, but Speed the Light, the youth fundraising missions organization, gave Harvest Ridge, brand new church, a computer. We were born in the 60s. We're like, I don't even know what to do with this thing, okay? Guy from the church writes a program. It's a church software program. There it is. We have like 
12 people in the church. Okay, why do we need this computer? Everything was done on hand. It was done perfect. The district comes up. They look at everything. They're like, your guys' books are good to go. This looks good. He's like, we need to move to this computer system. And I said, absolutely not. Why would I do that when this paper... These things are a passing fad. This, this paper is... I did not... <laughs> this paper is working just fine. And he's like, no, this is going to get bigger than you're able to, con, you know, to keep track of. And I'm like, but this is how they did it at the last church we were at. Because there's always that, you know, the last thing. You know, it was a good enough before... So I, mad at me. I did get mad because you know what I didn't want to do? Change. I didn't want to change. I didn't want to learn something new. I was very adept at doing what I was doing and I was comfortable. And you know what? I didn't want to change. But the world was changing, whether I wanted to admit it or not. And I was wrong because I can't even imagine doing, doing, doing handbooks now completely. Okay. Yeah. It's just unfathomable. That wouldn't have worked. So sometimes when things are out of our control, we get mad and we just have to adapt. We just have to go with it and say, you know what? Things are changing. I need to change too. All right, so a helpful tip for you. I'm giving you guys some great tips today. You should be writing some of these down. Here's a helpful tip. If you're dealing with anger, you ready for this? You get angry and uh, the anger is causing you to not communicate in a healthy way, here's what you do. Say, hey, can we call a timeout? Can we take like a two minute break? I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'm gonna go get a drink of water. I'm gonna run three times around the house. Um, with my kids, there were times I said, hey, we're going to take a time out. I don't want to talk to you this way. I'm going to go cool down. I'll be back in a couple of minutes and we can talk in a couple of minutes. Notice though, if you take a time out, a time out always ends. So you need to set, a timeouts are not like two years. A timeout is like a minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. You do something to calm down. Then when you come out, you use your time out to do this to figure out what you're feeling. Don't just go calm down. Don't just take, ask yourself the question, what am I feeling and what is driving these feelings? And then come back and you use a statement like, I feel that you are disrespecting me. I feel that you're not listening to me. I feel that blah, blah, blah. I feel that you haven't caught the gravity of this situation. You notice what you do in your time out. If you're being fueled by anger, you go back and you identify what in you from God is causing you to get mad about this, identify it, and then communicate it. So control your emotions. Don't kill your emotions bring them into control. All right, next thing is focus on the problem. So a well-defined problem is 90% solved, right? If you can define it, you can fix it. If you can't define it, you're just running around with a chicken with its head cut off. So a well-defined problem is 90%. So most of the time, uh, talking to people, helping them define the problem will help them figure out their solution. So two things I wanted to say. If you spend too much money, Making more money will not solve your spending problems, right? So focus on the problem. What's the problem is we, are, we spend too much. If you eat horrible and you don't exercise, vitamins will not make you healthy. Doctor's visits will not make you healthy. Are, are y'all following me here? So what we have in our, our culture is a failure to, find the pro, to define the problem. So we run around adding Band-Aid to Band-Aid to Band-Aid to Band-Aid. So let's figure out what the problem is. So here's our tip. We do this all the time. This is, 
This is a rock from the Valley of Elam where Goliath was slain uh, by David. And I had somebody bring this back, maybe illegally, but they brought it back to me anyway. <laughs> and this is a rock, uh, probably like the one David picked up. And this is on my desk for a reason. Because a lot of time when I'm talking to people, we can't seem to define what the issue is. Or, or we get in a discussion and we started talking about the problem and they then want to start talking about this. Or they want to talk about this. Or they want to talk about the color of those lights over there. So one of the things that we do on a regular basis, even, even a practice among us is, we'll take something tangible, lay it out and say, this is the problem. You are not the problem. I am not the problem. Us and our spending habits are the problem. I don't have a career, I only have a job is the problem. Um, you look at porn, it's the problem. You, what, what, I don't care. This is the problem. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? The problem. What are we not talking about? The other 5,000 problems we have. In this moment, we're going to focus on the problem. And this is a good technique to keep you coming back to what you actually need to deal with rather than 10,000 other things. And then agree on the answer to this problem. Because this problem probably has 50 emotions that are attached to this problem with tentacles, okay? And they're all important too. We're not saying to not deal with them, but right now we're going to deal with this problem and find an agreed upon solution. And we actually have a video of what it looks like when you don't agree on the problem. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on, Ow. if you would just- Don't! <laughs> Try to see things my way Do I have to keep on talking till I can All right, so um, we're gonna go to the next one about stay positive. Passage we read today says to stay away from unwholesome talk. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that was a big breath. Unwholesome talk. All right, we're going to do this fast. Unwholesome talk, the word is, in the Greek is rotten, and it means rotten fish. You ever been walking? We were up at the beach one day up at Lake Erie, and we're walking along the beach, and you know that smell? Y'all know that smell? All right, that's the smell when you say words that are rotten. So we should keep those kind of rotten talks out of our communication because those rot rotten words are nasty. 
um, rotten words also affect <clears throat> those around you. Um, so just general, I realized when my kids were young, I was at McDonald's. I know I've told you guys this before, but it was just so apparent to me in this one split second that there was sideways rain coming in and I had to take the window down because, you know, we were doing the good McDonald's thing and picking up our to-go window, you know, and um, rain was coming in and instantly, I have no idea why, but I had kids in the back and I got mad and I was like, oh, could I do anything about the rain? No. no. Could I do anything about the fact that it was literally coming in a sideways rain into my car? No. But for some reason, I, I was like, it was just so frustrating to me. And I found myself saying, oh, the, you know, whatever, this rain or whatever. And I realized that in the back were my three kids that were watching every word and every attitude that I said. And you know what? I had two reactions. I could keep going in my pedantic temper tantrum, which was stupid because I had n there was nothing I could do. Or I could start laughing about it and realize, you know what? They need to see an attitude that says, it doesn't matter that it's raining. We're getting McDonald's. This is great. This is hysterical. I'm getting soaked. Mom's getting soaked while well, everybody can get their French fries, okay? And in that split second, it was like, I knew I needed to change my way of communication so that I didn't impact and affect and infect everyone in my world. You're right. And uh, our verse we picked out, Proverbs 16:21 says, pleasant words promote instruction. So we have a tip. We, she and I went through a coaching clinic last year, and this is the best thing I picked up in years. Y'all ready? You should, you should write this one down for sure. When you're getting into one of those conversations, you should ask, what is your desired outcome? What an amazing clarifying thought. To keep it positive, you ask, what do you want to accomplish in this discussion? And by doing so, by each person laying out their desired outcomes, it's amazing you can stay on focus rather than getting caught up in the never-never world. So last thing is... Be consistent. Do it. Actually communicate. You guys, I got to tell you, there are times it, when you start out in your relationship, you know, you're young, man, you're talking till 3 a.m., right? You're talking all night. Oh! I just talked and talked You were and talking. Talk. I was fighting to stay awake. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you get older, you get your relationship matures, and you already know what their favorite color is, so you don't have to talk about that anymore. This is when it comes time to really working to communicate with each other. So do it. Do it right. You got you to gotta make sure you enact all these tips, because if you do it right, you're going to get your desired outcome. And also, last but not least, do it often, because the fact of the matter is, I would not be okay if we were to walk in our house, walk out, we would be nothing more than roommates. If you want a relationship with anyone, you have to talk a lot. So I'm going to conclude us this way, all right? Uh, we have a picture, and this picture is from... Um, Edmunds, uh, uh, Ardmanson. So in uh, 1911, there were two groups of people that decided they want to go to the South Pole. And uh, the previous year, a guy named Robert Scott, Robert Scott had been to the Antarctic Circle and he had investigated and then come back home. And the next year, they were going to go all the way to the South Pole. Well, there was another group that was going to go too. So the Scott group, he, uh, he takes off and this is what he decides to do. If it's a nice day, we're going to make time. We're going to go like 60 miles on our march. And then if it's a blizzard, 
well, we'll just be smart. We'll hunker down for a day or two. We'll hunker down in our tents. We'll stay warm. And then, the, you know, waiting on some good weather. And when it's good weather again, after a couple of days of blizzard, we'll get up and we will go, you know, as far and as fast as we can go. So um, <clears throat> that was his approach. And then there was this other group. This other group is, are these guys. These are the Aronsons. And what they said we're going to do is we're going to wake up today and we're going to go 20 miles. So if today is beautiful, we're going to go 20 miles. Not 40, not 25, 20. <laughs> and then we're going to go to our tents and we're going to rest up. And then if the next day it's a blizzard and it's horrible conditions, we're going to go, y'all ready for it? 20 miles. Jim Collins, the author of uh, Good to Great, wrote about this in a book, and he said he was talking about the 20-mile rule. And what the 20-mile rule is, the consistency that it is to get up and to do what you need to do and not to kill yourself today by doing more today than you can, but not also to be lazy and not do today what you could do. And with communication, the whole goal of communication is to be consistent. Let me tell you what happened. Aronson's group, the 20 mile a day, they made it to the South Pole and they made it back alive. Scott's group, 12 miles after they reached the South Pole on their way back, they all died. They were two weeks late because they were waiting on the right conditions. And they were tired and consumed too many resources on the days they pushed too hard. And they all died. But the people that took it one bite at a How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. So what I want to say to you is that there is a consistency in communication that will make it possible. And you, you don't do this because, you know, if, if you want to be in a relationship with somebody, you don't just talk to your kids like once every three weeks. You have to listen to them every day. You don't just talk to your spouse whenever you want something. You have to be consistent. So, um, how did God communicate with us? Well, he showed us that um, he sent us the perfect communication. We don't even listen the right way. He communicates with us perfectly and we don't even listen right. So, you know what he does? He continues to be consistent in his communication with us. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So in communication, it's not perfect communication. It's consistent communication. It's direction, not perfection. While you were still a sinner, Christ died and communicated with you. And uh, I would like to say today that there is this part of this talk today that I'd like you to hear. Is that God wants you to hear his communication, his communication that he loves you. He's called you by name, and you are his child. And if you haven't received him, if you haven't opened up the two-way dialogue with him, today would be a good day to confess him as Lord, to receive his communication, and open up the communication with him, and make that healthy so you can open up your communication with everyone else and make that healthy. So I'd like everybody, if you would, to bow your heads with me. I, I felt the need today to ask this question. You're in this space today and you have not yet embraced salvation and relationship with Jesus. You have not yet opened your heart to him as your Lord and your Savior. And you want to hear his communication with you. You want him to talk with you. You want to be in relationship with him. He's offering that today. 
So if you haven't asked Jesus to be your Lord and you'd like to today, I'd like you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you. Are you here this morning? God speaking to you. Yes. Are there others? Yes. Yes, are there others? It's your day to open up your heart and listen to his communication. Hey, nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. Could we all pray together? Everybody, let's do this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for dying for me and communicating your love. I now receive you as my Lord. Let's enter into a talk. Talk to me. I want to listen. Be my Lord. You have all of me. Now give me all of you. Thank you. Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you are now a child of God, born into the kingdom of God. And if, um, if you wouldn't mind, just drop by back there, the back table at the back wall. Talk to Pastor Jesse today, and we're going to praise God with you and take some next steps with you. So um, would you stand with me? And I think we're going to sing this final song. Uh, let's declare our respect and reverence to God this morning. Could we do that one more time? So God wants to communicate with you his love, and you want to communicate with him your reverence and respect. And in this communication, there's sometimes you get a little ticked off at God. Anybody like me ever get ticked off at God? All right. It's all right to have those talks too. We want to reverence him and we want to call out his holiness, but we also want to be real with him about things we struggle with. And that's a real communication. So the things we're talking about today, about being honest, about being clear, those are all a part of your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, your parents, your everybody. And we want to encourage you as you walk out of this place today, let's be a real people in a real world, communicating in a healthy way. And our world that doesn't know how to do this, if they see you doing it, they're going to say, wow, I want some of that. God bless you and go make the world say, I want some of that.